0: Hi, this is Hadi. And my name's Irfan. And this is the Rambling into Sanity podcast. We make sense of the world, so you don't have to. Our episode today is about uh, life of an EFL speaker, English... English first language speaker in Malaysia.
1: But, like, before we go into any of that, we want to explain to you why did we decide to suddenly create a podcast out of the blue. Um, A podcast, like... We've always wanted to make po- a podcast because it's always something that we felt like would be cool to do, I guess. Because like me and Hadi are both avid listeners of a few podcasts, and we enjoy listening to different views on different matters, especially ones that we aren't really involved in. And for me, uh,
0: the main reason why I've what I'm conducting this podcast or running it or, the, or however you like to uh, call it, is because this is my MYP personal project. Uh, the MYP personal project or middle years program personal project is a, a project in which students are uh, incentivized to create things that represent uh, who they are and what they can do in this world.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay, so
1: um, first, like that's a lot of the reasons why, but we're going to continue on. Creating episodes even after the project is due because I think that firstly it's very beneficial for us it lets us explore more about ourselves a lot of the time because we will be talking about a lot of issues that are very close to our hearts and hit home but also it gives us an opportunity to read more about other issues and how we see those things for example I feel that me and Heidi are quite liberal to a certain extent and we're not that conservative so our viewpoints will be very different from some other people, so this is also a way for us to share our thoughts on you know uh, certain issues and things like that. Our hopes,
0: our hopes for this podcast is to uh, share our views on certain topics, which uh, which may
1: incentivize other people to get informed on these topics as well. Uh, I want you to uh, understand that we are not very professional. Podcasters or whatever you want to call it. We are just two 17-year-old kids in a dorm just talking into an iPhone <laughs> trying to create a podcast. So um, if we do make mistakes, just know that we're all human at the end of the day. So firstly, our episode today will be about life of an EFL or English as a First Language speaker in Malaysia. So firstly, Hadi, um... Tell us a bit about what Malaysia is like. I guess. All right. So in Malaysia,
0: the main language that we use daily is supposed to be Malay. But um, individuals like me and Irfan are what are known as EFLs or English first language speakers, which mean that which means that we uh, use English more predominantly compared to. Malay in our daily lives.
1: Yeah. Um, um of course when you ha when you're in a different country that it's not England or America or Australia, um you obviously have your own national language for in this country, it's Malay. <laughs> Oops. Um so I would say that like English speakers in this country are somewhat viewed as sort of, like, high-class quotation marks, right, individuals, people who are very posh, who are very, not snobbish, but, like, people uh, who are, like, city kids a lot of the time. And due to this stereotype, due to this, like, viewpoint of a lot of people, we're quite segregated, I guess. Um, we have, we'll explain a bit more about, like, our backstory on this topic, so, um, Hadi, do you, want you to go first,
0: Okay, so to the point where English speakers are sometimes looked at as posh and somewhat high-class individuals, there is some truth uh, to that statement, because like um, I used to go to a primary school, uh, Sekolah Kebangsaan Bukit Lamasara, which was predominantly uh, made up of students who were also EFLs, and most of those students were from higher-income families, the
1: T20s, you, you could call them. Uh. Okay, uh, I'll go then. Because, like, there's not much to talk about, especially when it's school, I guess. Um, for me, it's uh, very different, I guess. I grew up in a country that only speaks English for 10 years. I came back to Malaysia in a school that, it's also a Kabang kebangsaan, but it's very different from hadith, where not everyone speaks English. Most of them actually don't really speak it. They just learn it in class, and like the amount of people who are EFLs are very minimal. So <laughs> for me, it was very, very hard trying to grow up in that situation, especially when I came back into Malaysia at year four, which was very, very difficult. I don't even know how I got like straight A's for my UPSR. I guess like effort goes far, I guess, right? But um, enough about our backstory, because what we really want to talk about more of is the life that we have been living for these past few years. So as I've mentioned before, we live in, of course, dorms, so that basically means that we live in boarding schools. So let's explain more about our boarding school, as in the life of an EFL speaker in boarding school, before we move on to a bit more different topics, as for us as um, EFLs, I guess, right? All right, as we know, for our current
0: syllabus, uh, when we were in primary school, most of the subjects were predominantly DLP with a high emphasis on the usage of the English English language. So um, that's why most uh, EFLs do not find much problem in getting stri- straight A's for are U- but uh, in, uh, that is also the case in secondary schools where most subjects are in malay but uh, the dual language pro- program is implemented Implemented.
1: yeah um, so like there are a lot of places especially in scholar menengah biasa like normal mi- normal high schools in malaysia where they don't necessarily offer that program to a lot of individuals in a school usually it's like a few classes but for uh, like, fortunately for our boarding school, everyone has to learn the subjects in English. For example, um, science, maths, and then when you move up to um, higher secondary, your physics, your chemistry, your biology, your these sciences as well. You learn it in English. Your additional maths, your mark maths, and stuff like that. Pretty uh, pretty simply. Um, that's for subjects. Now more about how we mostly, people mostly in my in our boarding school speak Malay. So, however, like, of course we know that there's a big difference between casual Malay and like formal Malay, which the formal Malay is either used in classes when you are uh, speaking with your teachers, or it's used in like the Malay subject itself, right? So thankfully, people mostly speak casual Malay. And it was quite easy to pick up, in my opinion. You? Mm-hmm. How about you?
0: Yeah, in my opinion, it, uh, in my personal experience, it was also quite easy p- to pick up because of constant usage throughout um, the days of the week. But like for like formal English in class, that can be like a sort of uphill battle because our vocabulary for Bahasa Melayu or Malay is very limited. That's making it um, harder for us to uh, improve in class.
1: Yeah, it was like it, it was tough at times I guess because like since we like we don't have a wide variety of vocab to use and to choose from, especially since we're not that perversed in that language. So like I think like the word Hayun, which means swing, I didn't know that word until like the end of Form One. And that was so goddamn embarrassing for me. And yeah. So at the very start, it was really, really hard to grasp the language. But because our experience and how we were exposed to different um, experiences, especially with our batchmates who mostly, most of them speak mostly casual Malay, we kind of adapted to it and like it's better in our opinion.
0: Over the five years of us being here, we eventually learned to pick it up And our understanding of both the language and culture is much better now. Um, For example, like before, we could not uh, care less for certain things that are required by a Malay person to do. But like nowadays, nowadays we're more cultured and understand why what we do as Malays is important.
1: Well, (laughs) I guess it's, (laughs) I wouldn't say Malays, but. Maybe a Malaysian, I guess. Malaysian, yeah, <laughs> Malays. <laughs> All right. Um, I would say like the subject of Malay is really, really, really hard in my opinion. It, like the the um, the casual language itself isn't like casual Malay is quite easy, basa pasar, right? Yeah. But when it comes to the subject, oh, that is really, really tough. I remember like in exams when you can't find those words you want to use, you're stuck there. When I was
0: in yeah. Form One, <laughs> I mainly just like most most of the time I did my essays in English first in my head, then I just translated it onto the paper. So which took up a lot of time and my time management was really really bad back then, which caused me to lose a lot a bunch of marks for not uh, finishing work on time.
1: Yeah, because like usually with uh, EFL uh, people, right? We. Inter like how we receive and how we absorb information so for example if the information is in malay what we do is uh we first like absorb the information that enters our brain and then it goes through a process where we have to convert the language from malay to english and that's how we understand things so if you were to give me a malay sentence for me to read what happens it will go in I would translate each word one by one, arrange it in the way it's supposed to so that I understand it. And then that's how I understand it. For example, you know how our pendidikan Islam or Islamic studies textbooks are in Jawi. Firstly, I have a big problem of reading Jawi. <laughs> it's hard. It's really, really hard. But like, I do my best. So there's like three processes, which is to convert Jawi into Malay as in, like to turn it into Roman, Roman letters, right? And then I have to process that Malay into English, so maybe one page of my textbook could take me five to ten minutes to like, not transcribe, right? It's more of understand and dissect mm-hmm. in my way. How about you? Uh, f- well, for me, I I grew up
0: learning Jawi, so like it's not as much of a problem for me as it is <laughs> for it is you maybe, but like. I understand. I can't. I think I can understand your struggle because I personally struggle in like learning new languages, also. Such as like Japanese, where it's uh, quite hard for me to improve because I have. I need to have a very solid base, or like I need to understand it from a young age. If not, I'm unincentivized to learn that language.
1: Yeah, true. I feel the same way. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, before I went back to Malaysia from my country, my dad would give me, like, year one books on, like, just to do a bit. And, like, I would never finish it. And then I think when I entered year four, and, like, because, like, imagine you coming back from a country, four days into school, exam starts. I got 30% and 27% for my objective questions, Malay, pemahaman, and penulisan, which is the essay is right. And I was like, oh god. Like, I think like, I started getting A's for Punuli in like year five or year six. Mm. And then pemahaman, I only got A for pemahaman in UPSR. I don't know why. I found that so goddamn hard, in my opinion. Um, so that's a bit about like the language itself in boarding school. We'll talk more now about our peers, like the people we live around. Um, maybe our seniors and how our juniors and their perceptions towards people like us, towards EFLs like us. As I've said
0: before, um, my 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 primary school wasn't that much of a problem because most of the students there were also EFLs. But once I once I enrolled in secondary school, I was like a deer in the headlights because I was instantly alienated and judgmental. I was <laughs> judged. judged by other people EFL. and and in turn, I was also uh, judgmental towards these these other people for not understanding how for not understanding how I speak
1: it goes both ways i guess yes so I, uh, th- that's what you mean right yeah yeah, and same with me, i think for me, it was a bit worse because I have a problem with being a little too cocky. And a bit too proud of myself, which, like, throughout the years, it has flipped 180. I am never confident in myself anymore. <laughs> I'm always judging my actions now. But before this, I was like, you know what? I'm the shit. I, I'm, I'm, I am the big boss. And that is what became my downfall, especially in Form 1, where I was really, really, really ali- alienated. And I would go to say that it went to the um, level of bullying, I guess. I think it was from both sides. One side was just too arrogant, which was my side I guess, and the other side which was not accepting, I guess, and not understanding in a form of way. Um that's how it started. We at first we were like strangers to each other mm-hmm. to a real, like this new realm, this new world, these new people and same with them. But like eventually and I guess it's still in progress. I don't think we've completely, like...
0: Over the years, we've cultivated, like... a We've cultivated a sort of, like, social structure which we can understand them and we, they can understand us for our flaws and differences.
1: It's not complete. But it's to the level where we are accepting of one another and we have grown very fond of each other as well. So me and the rest of my 117 batchmates, we're very, not very close. I would say there's a lot of, um, there's a
0: lot of point contention, but we still care for each other at the end of the day.
1: And we're very loving of each other now, I guess. Um, But one thing that actually helped us a lot was that there happened to be um, quite a few EFL speakers, right? Yeah, it's quite a few.
0: They really help smoothen the transition from being an only an exclusively an EFL speaker to like actually using Malay in mm-hmm. daily life
1: better and better uh, each and each and every day that passes. The only problem I think I had with like these EFL speakers, not like they not they didn't do anything wrong. It was just the fact that like because of this reason, we kind of formed, click which, formed like, a clique, which yeah. which
0: caused more alienation at the end of the day. Now we look back at it.
1: <laughs> yeah actually it did like it was it was quite bad because like because like we were e- EFL speakers especially where our friends were also we were trapped in like this form of bubble where we just didn't care and we didn't really think about other things other people um, our, the rest of our batchmates. it was just like us against the world I guess and I think that was a big problem because we couldn't grow and we couldn't un- learn from there I think that was like a bit problem in my opinion, um, but there were like a lot of EFL speakers that managed to have a good grasp of both languages, and it was easier for them to mingle with others yes. compared to us. Yeah. But I think that's just because of um, maybe their upbringing, or maybe it's their will to
0: to assimilate
1: into assimilate society. Everything. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have <laughs> we didn't have that
0: drive when we, we were really in Form have One. That
1: drive, I guess. But we we did our best. Like, there were, I think like one of the biggest examples I can give is a friend of ours uh Sharifuddin who I I wouldn't I don't I don't know if I would classify him as an EFL but I would say that both his Malay and English are on par with each other and he can converse very well in both languages and yeah he's the deputy head prefect of our school it shows like
0: how far English and Malay being good at both can get you
1: and also how um influential you can become in society in like not in in society in our school f- to both our peers our batchmates and teachers and alike. teachers alike our juniors maybe so like that's a big example that we can give you um we can talk a bit more about our social circle i guess since, yeah. yeah so a bit about our social circle like the kind of friends we make.
0: As I keep going back to, <laughs> my, my friends in primary school were, ma- were mainly EFL speakers. I, I've grown really close to them and still keep in contact with them to this day. I try and meet with, up with them as um, if I get the chance. And it just helps, uh, helps strengthen that bond. But that bond also has its costs because since we're mostly conversing in English... That has uh, slightly slowed down my pro- the process of me improving my Malay as a whole.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, I um, happen to be around a lot of people who speak English, and I converse mostly in English. Um,
0: Since hailing from England.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs>
1: I, I guess so. Um, hailing from
0: the motherland of English.
1: <laughs> Alright, stop, stop. Um, like, I have a lot of friends that I still keep in contact with who are from England. Um, I wouldn't say I'm very close to them anymore. Unfortunately, I think that's just because it's long distance and you really had to maintain. And it's really, really hard to maintain long distance relationships, not in the romantic way, but also in, in pl- a friendship platonic. platonic friendship way, right? Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I guess that. Um. I have a lot of. I have a. I. I honestly, like, I don't want to be like, I'm not racist, I'm not racist at all. But I'm not really, I don't have a lot of Malay friends, honestly. I make friends with a lot of Chinese and Indians, though. Because, like, in Malaysia, the main EFL speakers are made up of Chinese and Indians, yeah. And also, the main ethnic groups are Malay, Chinese, and Indian, right? The three. But I don't really converse with Malays a lot. I don't know, I feel I have this like although I am part Malay You have a bias against Malays I have a Malays. bias against Malays, but wow, maybe we'll okay. we'll touch that on we'll touch on that. In on a future episode. episode. In a future yeah. episode maybe. So yeah. Um, so like I usually converse with English. Um I had I've had the opportunity to go overseas a lot, especially mingle with a lot of different people. And I think that those people are what make up like maybe a third of my friends as well I'm very close to them still I taught them a lot still One of them Yes, I'm shouting you out Timothy from Hong Kong He helped me with chemistry Even though I didn't understand Any of it <laughs> So like uh, For me, I would say that There's a lot There's a lot of
0: benefits To be obtained From being able to speak English Because it's the universal language Or so it's been called
1: It's it's not the most well spoken The most well spoken is Mandarin, right? Yes But it's quite It's like one of the most Universal languages
0: Most media uh, That we consume on a daily life Is in is, is, is in English
1: yeah yeah um there are downsides too of course like of course that I wish that I was um more fluent in Malay fluent Malay not former Malay because you know I'm not I, I, I really hate former Malay but yeah it's not bad like, I still talk and I converse in Malay but maybe just not as much as I think I should and maybe that would change hopefully in the future I think so um it's like about this right it's like you and your friends, when you share a bond. So I don't necessarily just seek out people who speak English and look at people being it's like... It's easier to form a relationship yeah.
0: with people who speak English because you have
1: a sense of comfort when you're around them. It's a sense of, like, relatability. So it's not like I go around people like, oh, do you speak English? Do you speak Malay? If you don't speak Malay... Uh, if you don't speak English, I don't want to be friends with you. I'm not like that. It's just that I am more drawn to people who speak uh english fluently um it's a bit like you and your friends like maybe if you read comics right and, and you like batman for example and your friend likes batman you guys like to read detective comics you guys like to read batman incorporated i'm a comic nerd as well huh uh, <laughs> so you'll be the sense of
0: community is yeah there.
1: you'll be drawn to those kind of people if i'm i like tennis and my friend likes tennis then i'm more likely to be involved with it comparative to someone who plays video games. I'm unfortunately not a big fan of video games. It's kind of a wonder how me and Hadi are good friends since Hadi loves video games and I'm not really a big fan of it. But yeah, I won't be drawn to someone who has different interests from me. But that's just the that's just the laws of friendship, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's we as humans
0: live in groups, so
1: Yeah, hopefully like like I am not really judgmental towards people, I guess i but, don't I don't have yeah. a negative
0: perception of people who don't speak English well.
1: I just like we just find comfort in comfort in yeah, people who speak English correct, better. Correct. um okay, so that's a bit about our um social circle and how like our friends look like right so now more towards our extracurricular activity so like what has us being really perverse in English done for us um I'll start first off um, oh, yeah. I would say debate um I'm. I have a big passion for debating and unfortunately um, due to some personal issues I'm not debating anymore in high school but I wish to start debating again in uni. Um, I think that a big thing that I was so happy about in debate was that my school like heavily funds the debating team because like we are I would say that we're really really good but so we, are we have blessed. a lot of things. We are
0: blessed yeah. with the opportunity to represent our school a lot in different competitions yeah yeah so you get to see different people from a lot of different places.
1: Expanding on social circle. But like, I think the best part about debating is, of course, you as a person learn... Not, it's like A lot of people be like, debating is either for notes, not really, or you learn more about issues. There's a,
0: a kind of stigma against deba- debating because it's like the nerdy thing to do.
1: But there's much more than that. And there's another one that we'll talk about, which is uh, Model United Nations, but I'll let Hadi explain on that one, right? But I'll explain a bit more on debate. Like... Right? We learn to think more rationally and more maturely. I think that's what I've learned through debating. I remember when I was form one, um, I had the weirdest ideas in debating. In form two, I think I got better. And I learned to use more of my logic and common sense and I learned to expand on it where I looked for different issues and looked more on different angles on how people are feeling. How do we solve this issue if we implement this with this work? If we do not implement this, if we tax people, and so on. I think that's what I've learned a lot from it. Because I remember uh, my friend in... Form one, in a, it was your it was your partner, he is right. Yes. In a competition, the the motion was like this house would like support anti heroes and support anti heroes or oh, was like Alcatraz something like that, right? Yeah. And he said, "Mr. Speaker, if you let the prisoners out of Alcatraz, the city will smell. The city will smell of the blood of the victims of these prisoners." And <laughs> that just shows the immaturity at the
0: when we were form one. Yeah. The kind and of thinking that we were that were going was going on through. It
1: our heads and I would say that we were no better we were almost as identical as ridiculous as what that person was and that guy is very mature now so yeah I think what I liked about debating was that we got to just be more mature in everything we did and yes although it's a stigma it's true we learned more about world issues I hate to read, but there are so many other mediums to understanding and getting issues. Watching yeah. debates is a bit boring sometimes, but if you really like it and you're really passionate for it, then it's going to be fun. Um, what else? There are a lot of infographics, a lot of um, documentaries that you could watch, fun documentaries that you can watch as well. Uh, the infographic Show does a pretty good job on that. Vox does a wonderful job on that as well. So, you know, you can check those out. I, <laughs> I'm subscribed to The Economist because now I kind of like reading a bit. So that helps, I guess. Um, how about you? When it comes to like absorbing Res- information,
0: I generally I've liked absorbing information since like primary school because like I always like to watch like comedy news shows like Last Week Tonight and The Daily Show.
1: Yeah, Trevor Noah is pretty good. John Oliver is wonderful. It's uh,
0: really entertaining how these people can uh, find ways to make these issues that can be almost depressing to outright hilarious Yeah, su- subjects.
1: Um, yeah, actually, I want to shout out Hassan Minhaj. Hassan Minhaj is, like, that good. He jam-packs a lot of information into one thing. He puts comedy into it. He puts relatability into it. And the editing team, they won awards. They're really good. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of John Oliver just because, like, like I, I am, but like he has a lot of mature like very, very very, mature jokes, which I enjoy, but like it ruins the experience for you personally. It, not really it ruins, it's more of like he, he it's a bit he's not as engaging as like someone like Hassan Minhaj. That's just my opinion. But he's still good. I still watch John Oliver. John Oliver is a wonderful thing, but I prefer Hassan Minhaj just because of how he connects with his audience better. I think a lot of people don't do talk shows where you stand up and you present in a different way. So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to shout out Patriot Act. <laughs> Patriot Act is Stream, so Patri- Stream
0: Patriot Act on Netflix. Hashtag not sponsored.
1: <laughs> not sponsored, but like, yeah, uh, Hassan Minhaj, if you're listening to this, please, please, I want your autograph. I want I want to shake your hand. I want your drawing Three white cements.
0: But like, yeah. these comedy shows help the transition to like reading like actual like political papers and like me actually enjoying reading that yeah. whereas it would be irregular for an 11 year old to enjoy yeah, reading yeah, yeah. like the uh, Panama Papers or whatever, whatever. oh <laughs> yeah it
1: was such a big scandal um, yeah Okay. so that's what like that's what debate has brought that's what English uh, brought. has allowed us to do yeah. in debating especially because like reading articles and understanding shows it also shows us how fluent we are in English as well and that helps us a lot Okay. Um, after this, um, so
0: as Irfan stated before, we also are involved with the Model UN, or otherwise known as Model United Nations. Uh, so, the main purpose of the model, model United Nations is like a a sort of more in depth discussion uh, compared to the debate. Where whereas debate would be like. Very fast paced and like yeah, very and you limited have like seven minutes to talk. So very, well. it's a very yeah. limited knowledge that you can uh, throw out there. Model UN requires a lot of heavy discussion, breaking up into into groups, understanding understanding viewpoints of other people.
1: Um, Model UN, I would say, it's a lot more towards compromise. Yes, debating is not. I think that's why I. Like, enjoy debating more. I enjoy debating way more than because you, of get,
0: you, you get you there's a definitive win.
1: I like to like just destroy my <laughs> opponents if I can, and if my opponents destroy me, I'm just like good game, F- oh, fair, fair play, fair play, fair play. <laughs> not too much. Like um, I've had the opportunity. Single tier yeah, in your I've eye. <laughs> had, to, I've had the opportunity to beat like, really high class uh, debaters. Yeah. I won't mention their names of course because cause, like you know it's a bit like okay. I don't know, be a bit weird. But, but like if you, if you if you can fight them, oh damn. It's tough. But Model UN teaches, teaches
0: us to compromise, teaches us further on what world conflicts have brought upon, what effects of world conflicts are yeah. upon certain communities and what have you.
1: Because even if, you're, if, even if both your resolutions on your topics fail, they don't judge you on that. They judge you on, like even individually, on how well, well you, you represent the yes, country that you're well supposed you to represent. Correct, and also how well you could work with others based on your policy. That's what they want to see most about.
0: Foreign policy is very important in Model UN, so it's important that we understand how other countries view certain topics compared to uh, yeah. your own country.
1: Um, I uh, what's your favorite um, um, council?
0: Uh, for me, it's Ecosoc. Yeah, Model same, U. same,
1: same. Cause like uh, me and Hadi, are like we love icons a lot. Even though Hadi takes it, and I don't. But like me and Hadi are a big fan of Econs. Um, if I'm gonna just help you out here, guys, whoever, like, is interested in model UN, if you wanna, like, succeed really well in Ecosol, you just pick a Scandinavian country or, like, Canada. And that's basically win. And you can
0: basically do whatever you want in there. Because you're the most, like, um, well-versed in your economy. Like, although the US might have the most powerful economy, it's not like they have the best policies for conducting that
1: economy. Correct. And, like, that, um I would say like i wouldn 't say they i wouldn 't call it liberal, but they 're quite lax in their policies as well, which enables for better discussions i guess so like that 's a like that 's like a there 's
0: more compromise yeah, there than there would be yeah. in a country like Saudi Arabia for example
1: or China as another big one Xi jinping don 't kill me uh, <laughs> so yeah um that 's just like a life hack if you guys like ecosol right um, another thing that we have done is innovation so innovation is a bit like robotics except how would I describe like the difference between the two I would say like they don't heavily
0: emphasize the mechanisms they emphasize the, the way of thinking to
1: get that product and what that product actually does yeah how it benefits people like um, in form 2 I presented something called a hydric power generator where we made a model waterfall and we put piezo plates so what a piezo plate does is that it generates electricity based on pressure so if you put pressure on the plate then it's going to generate electricity um, so we thought hey a waterfall has a lot of pressure what? if you put piezo plates under a waterfall do you think it'll create a lot of and generate a lot of electricity and it could help a lot of rural rural places so they judge you based on what you can do to help communities it could be anything some I think a durian opener won uh, like uh, an award once so like it really depends on, on how you can
0: help the, your community
1: and what uh, like me and Hadi aren't really that good at the coding or the creating of the model and the project but we're good at, at presenting yeah. we're good at empathy we're good at like like um, talking nonsense to the judges <laughs> like we, we mean what we create okay like I'm just gonna put that out there but um, a benefit of it is that we are good at like presenting in English and the reason why English helps us so much is because we have developed a very good sense of rhetoric which means that we're good at being persuasive even it could be the most daft thing but if you have a good sense of rhetoric then you can do well at it I'll give you a big example this is a debater I'm going back to debate time <laughs> um, this guy's called Bosio B-O space S-E-O he is a very, very, very talented debater. Um, he won the world's biggest tournament in 2016. I think he won it in 2015 as well. He's really, really good. Search him up. I think someone transcribed his speeches, and it's really wonderful. My point is, is that when you have that good sense of rhetoric, especially when you're an EFL speaker, you manage to be good at presenting to people and persuading people into buying into your product.
0: This allows you to be like a better leader to... Any, any sort of community
1: that you may be in right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so like, now I'm gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up a bit, but we're gonna lastly talk about life of like an EFL speaker as a Malaysian, like living in Malaysia. Itself, not like in. It's not like life in boarding school. It's not life with our friends, but it's life as a Malaysian. What's it like? to be an EFL speaker in Malaysia?
0: It doesn't really affect us as much because the working world, like what the main language used in the private sector is usually English. English. So us being EFLs means that there is no like uphill battle to like fight the structure of the organization to get to where we want to be.
1: Yeah, because like, we, how do I say this, like, Malaysia, we are, we, I think we're still a third world country, I think. We're still a developing country. We're still a developing country, but we're quite developed, and um, our cities are quite developed, and usually people speak English there In those cities, usually. Um, But not to say that we don't go to rural areas, like, of course, when we go back for Eid or Raya, right? We obviously go back to Kampung, except not me. <laughs> Sorry, so my like Kampungs in
0: KL. So like, having to learn, having to get used to different dialects, is uh, one of the main challenges in like being being unable to use
1: BM in our yeah like dialect. if you try to understand Kelantan dialect, oh that's so hard. I'm so interested in it though, but it's just really really hard. I don't even know how to talk in a Kelantan dialect. It's damn it's damn hard.
0: I'm so grateful that my parents live. Uh, my parents' place of origin is so far apart, so I get to experience like two entirely different points of views from two entirely Where? different families. Uh, ones from Kelantan and ones from Perak.
1: Oh, that's really good. For me, uh, my mom is in KL. Well, she was in Perak, but like the entire like family, Childhood. like the entire family moved to KL, so like there's no one in Perak now. Like my mom had like twenty like. 12, 13? Uncles and aunts? And they all moved to, like, (laughs) Fera. Sorry, they all moved to KL from Fera. My dad's Johorian. So I sometimes get to go to Johor. Sometimes we don't. uh, Unfortunately, we don't get to because um, it's very hectic, especially when we usually go to Johor on the second day. So, like, we just unfortunately don't have the time to go. Uh, Or because, like, you know, it's big jams and stuff. But, yeah, I think that English... uh, Speaking English isn't that much of a problem because as long as you can get and grasp the basic concepts and the basic principles of conversational Malay right? it's not that hard I can go to a pasar malam go um, abang nasi lemak satu. for example abang, uh, ayam goreng satu, Like it's not that hard but when it comes to maybe different places where they can only speak Malay and maybe they use more complex words which rarely happens, I guess it it becomes a bit difficult, then I think, in my opinion, so I think that's <laughs> pretty much it to wrap up our first episode, i guess uh, yeah, so like in
0: short, like being an e f l was not as hard as it was originally originally set up to be in our minds, uh, we still whole BM a very close to our heart. We don't leave Malay as something that we wouldn't want to like improve ourselves in.
1: Yeah, like I like like I said, I like conversation with Malay a lot. I think that's really cool. I think the best part I like about Malaysia is Bahasa Roja because you can use different languages. You can take from Malay, you can take from Chinese, you can take from Indian, you can take from English. That's like something that. Yeah. that can unite us that can unite a... like it unites us as one i'll say that um but of course i'm not that big a fan of um formal malay and of course like basa because that's just like really hard for me um but then again i have a big appeal to languages like i am taking japanese as a third language with hadi as well and i'm taking french with a friend so that's quite nice as well. And like, I plan to take German and Spanish. But it's not like... It's just for my own benefit, I guess. I guess. Like, we all have passions. And I think language is, right. was just a big one of mine. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess yeah. that's it for today.
1: Thank you for tuning in to our wonderful podcast.
0: Please subscribe if you haven't already.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. We are rambling into sanity It's just that There's no like remake. Weird characters yeah, there's no weird that? characters Nothing like that Alright um, On Twitter It's a little bit Harder And um, let, Wait let me open up my Twitter My phone is like I don't have an iPhone Hadi has the iPhone So it's really slow uh, Okay This is the Twitter Our Twitter handle R-M-B-L-I-N-G Into S-N-T-Y or check the description below. Oh yeah, or check the description below if you can. This is like the description part's on YouTube if you were to upload this to Spotify. Um, it's also in the description. It was also in the description as well. Alright, so alright. Uh that's all from us. Um Where's
0: where your seat belts?
1: Where your seat belts. Okay, bye guys. Bye. Bye.